drop stay up to date. Episodes drop the last Friday. It's the mind, it's the mind, forgot that. It's the mind, it's the mind, forgot that. It's the mind, it's the mind, forgot that. Welcome to the Matt Forgot That Podcast, the place to recollect and reminisce. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to rewatch and review a movie or TV pilot that I've seen before but don't quite remember. It could be a blockbuster, critic's choice, or cult classic. To join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or want to share your own trip down memory lane, use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Before we start, I recently went to a happy hour with my coworkers. There wasn't enough time during the holidays to have a get-together. It just gets way too busy. But it was fun hanging out with your coworkers outside of the office environment. I'm not sure how the subject got brought up, but we work in the entertainment business, so television and movies are always on the top of our minds. And we started talking about The Simpsons, and I had to sheepishly admit that I hadn't really seen the show. Now, it's been on forever, so at one point, I did watch it. I distinctively remember that it was on at 6 o'clock on Fox during dinner time, so the family would watch it occasionally but I never made a habit of watching it on appointment television. There have been a couple episodes over the years that I had seen. There was one featuring Mulder and Scully from The X-Files, another one with wrestler Brett the Hitman Hart, or the big mystery of who shot Mr. Burns. So I'm not unfamiliar with the show, but I'm also not a rabid fan. But since I like animation, it was always one I wanted to get back to. So I had planned on watching something else this week, but since we got on the subject of The Simpsons, I decided to change things up, and that's what I'll be featuring today on the podcast. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It, two stars Watch at Your Own Risk, three stars Standard Fair, four stars Worth Checking Out, and five stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. In this episode of the podcast, I'm re-watching and reviewing The Simpsons from 1989. It was created by Matt Groening. Upon moving to Los Angeles, he started the self-publishing comic Life in Hell based on his experiences. When he started working at the Los Angeles Reader, he showed the drawings to the editor who started publishing them in the paper. The strip would catch the attention of writer-director James L. Brooks, who asked him to create animated shorts for variety series The Tracy Ullman Show. He developed the idea while in the lobby and named the characters after his family members. Due to its popularity, it was greenlit and spun off into a half-hour comedy. It was originally animated by the Klasky Supo Company, who would be responsible for producing Rugrats, Ah, Real Monsters, The Thornberries, and other popular Nicktoons. The series would be developed with James L. Brooks, writer-director of Terms of Endearment, Broadcast News, As Good As It Gets, Spanglish, and series The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Rhoda, Phyllis, and Taxi, and Sam Simon, who wrote and produced for Taxi and Cheers. Groening would go on to create Futurama and Disenchantment. 
It was directed by David Silverman, who was also a producer, storyboard artist, and title designer on the series. He also worked on the Weird Al video, Money for Nothing, Beverly Hillbillies. The screenplay was written by Mimi Pond, who scribed an episode of Designing Women and Pee-wee's Playhouse. She was a cartoonist for The Spectator magazine, and her illustrations appeared in National Lampoon, The New York Times, and The Village Voice. Even though it was the first broadcast, it was the eighth episode written and produced, which is why there are some inconsistencies, including the disappearance of Santa's little helper from subsequent episodes. It features the voice acting of Dan Castellaneta as Homer and rip-off Genie in The Return of Jafar, Julie Kavner as Marge, Nancy Cartwright as Bart and Maggie, Yeardley Smith as Lisa, Harry Shearer as Mr. Burns, and Hank Azaria as basically anyone else. This is what I remember. The episode featured the origin story of Santa's Little Helper. I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? And Al quit it. Now I'm heading off to watch the episode. This is what I forgot. Marge hiding Christmas money in her hair, and a lot of various objects throughout the series. And Mr. Burns doesn't have the voice quite yet, which I'll talk about later on. So let's jump into it. The episode, entitled Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, begins with Homer and Marge, the parental unit of the Simpsons, arriving at Springfield Elementary School for the annual Christmas pageant, which was rated three and a half stars by the Springfield Shopper. Well, I'll be the judge of that. As part of the second grade class, their middle daughter, Lisa, appears in a presentation called Santas of Many Lands, as Tawanga, the Santa Claus of the South Seas. Apparently, people were fine with cultural appropriation in 1989. Next was the fourth grade medley of holiday favorites. While singing Jingle Bells, their oldest son, Bart, replaces the melody with Batman-inspired lyrics before getting pulled off the stage. When they return home, Marge writes the holiday letter. Their cat, Snowball, got run over and has been replaced by Snowball 2. Lisa got straight A's. Bart, not so much. And their youngest daughter, Maggie, has started to walk. The children give their Christmas list to her. Lisa wants a pony for the third year in a row. And Bart wants a tattoo. Homer chimes in that if he wants one, he has to pay for it out of his own allowance. Marge takes the children to the mall for Christmas shopping. Bart passes by the Happy Sailor Tattoo Parlor and imagines how enamored Marge would be with his mother tattoo. And, of course, how dangerous it would look on him. During the middle of his session, Marge pulls him out of the chair and brings him to the doctor to have it surgically removed by lasers. The doctor needs the cash payment up front, and Marge uses the family's Christmas money to pay for the procedure. She reluctantly agrees, relying on Homer's Christmas bonus to replenish the funds. While at work at the Springfield Nuclear Power Plant, Homer listens to an announcement from his boss, Mr. Burns, that the company has been able to increase safety at the plant without the cost to the consumer, but there will be no Christmas bonuses this year. Here's a quote without context. I can't believe it, but it looks as though television has betrayed me. The Simpsons has become a beloved family tradition. For some generations, it's been on television their entire lives. The episode was good, fairly entertaining, and had a few chuckles here and there, but certainly hadn't found its footing. 
The voice acting was really strong. The characters that people have come to know and love were pretty much established here, though they hadn't figured out that raspy sinisterness of Mr. Burns' voice just yet. The animation is a bit choppy, but for 1989, it looks better than a lot of modern cartoons. It doesn't have that flatness. The characters feel rounded, and it's certainly an improvement from the characters that appeared on The Tracy Ullman Show. Creator Matt Groening expected the animators to clean up his original crude drawings, but they traced over the designs. Now for a little trivial trivia. Eric Stefani, brother of Gwen Stefani, and founder of the band No Doubt, was one of the animators on the show. It was co-edited by Rick Eisman, who worked on Wild and Crazy Kids and Adventures in Odyssey, and Brian K. Roberts, whose filmography includes Max Hedrum, The Tracy Ullman Show, The George Carlin Show, and The Drew Carey Show. The score was composed by Richard Gibbs, who wrote the music for Say Anything, Ladybugs, 28 Days, Queen of the Damned, and the series Battlestar Galactica. The episode featured the songs O Little Town of Bethlehem, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Jingle Bells, with alternate lyrics provided by Bart. Contrary to popular belief, the Batman-inspired lines were not created by the showrunners. The runtime is 23 minutes. I give it... Four out of five stars. The Simpsons has been on for 34 seasons, 742 episodes, from 1989 to present. The series was renewed for a 35th season and airs on Fox. It's won 35 Primetime Emmy Awards. Not surprisingly, it's the longest-running primetime television series and animated series in U.S. history. If you've seen The Simpsons and have opinions on the series, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattForgotThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there'll be a playlist called Matt Forgot That Playback. Homestar Runner was a Flash-based website that featured animated characters in video shorts. It started as a children's book parody written by Mike Chapman and Craig Zobel while students at the University of Georgia. It initially featured the characters of Homestar Runner, Strong Bad, Pom Pom, and The Cheat. With the rise of Flash graphics and animations, Mike and his brother Matt learned the program and brought the characters to life on HomestarRunner.com. The name was an in-joke with their friend, James Huggins, who knew nothing about sports, and commented on a player calling him the Homestar Runner for the Braves. While the initial focus was on Homestar Runner, the site took off with the Strong Bad email shorts, where the wrestling luchador with boxing gloves would answer viewer emails, but not before making fun of their spelling, grammar, punctuation, or where they lived. Despite the word-of-mouth popularity, the Chapman brothers refused to monetize the website with advertisements and turned down many offers to turn the shorts into a series. They raised money by selling t-shirts, toys, glasses, games, and CD compilations. The Homestar Runner universe expanded with characters Strong Mad, Strong Sad, Marzipan, Bubs, and the King of Town. After a five-year hiatus, Homestar Runner content has started to appear on their YouTube channel. I've selected a couple of clips for your enjoyment. In the first, Strong Bad creates a techno song. Then, Strong Bad does a voiceover for a monster truck rally. And last, Strong Bad comes up with some band names. As a bonus video, Strong Bad plays the game Epic's Classic World Games, which I actually had for the Apple IIe. 
My brothers and I would play this all the time. And every observation Strong Bad makes is 100% accurate. There were two spin-offs, Summer Games and Winter Games, that I hope they do in a future video. They're all available in the Matt Forgot That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a nostalgic movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Rock-A-Doodle. Directed by Don Bluth of the independent studio Don Bluth Productions, responsible for The Secret of Nim, An American Tale, The Land Before Time, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. He also created the Dragon's Lair arcade game, which was featured in Stranger Things 2. Inevitable Stranger Things reference. It was scribed by David Nathan Weiss, screenwriter of the Rugrats movie, Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, Shrek 2, Daddy Day Camp, The Smurfs, and Disenchanted. The film tells the story of Chanticleer, an Elvis-inspired rooster who is shunned from the barnyard when it's revealed to the animals that his crowing doesn't make the sunrise each morning. He leaves to find work in the city, and in the meantime, a state of emergency is declared when persistent rain floods the countryside. It featured the voice talent of country singer Glenn Campbell, Oscar winner Christopher Plummer, Broadway superstar Ellen Green, Scream Queen Dee Wallace, Match Games Charles Nelson Reilly, and Eddie Deason, Eugene from Greece. The movie fizzled at the box office, earning $12 million off an $18 million budget, but racked up $28 million on home video sales. The animation is pretty good, on par with other output films from the studio, and the songs are quite catchy. It probably hasn't held up in comparison with the second golden age of Disney films, but I think a younger audience will still enjoy it. That's all for this edition of Matt Forgot That. Thanks for listening to me reminisce. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or want to share your own trip down memory lane, use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Head over to MattSaroski.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the rewatch and the review. They raised money by selling t-shirts, toys, glasses, the hell are those? And series, the Merrily, Ty the Merrily Tyler Moore Show. It was originally animated by the Klasky Scoop Supo. Ugh.